We're so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Freedom. <laughs> glasses, just give a minute with the glasses de-steam. It's great to be back. Your family. I'd love to say I'd love to see all your beautiful faces, but I, I kinda yeah. Just eyes. The eyes. The mirror. The mirror. Thanks. Thanks for the prayers. I it's just great to be back. I just uh, was praying this week about what a share and I really just felt the Lord just dropped this on He said, it's time for a recall. It's time for a recall. You know, we're in the middle of this crazy pandemic and people are kind of worried about this and worried about that. But God said, just, I just want to recall you back to your first love. And the songs we just sang this morning were just so beautiful. It's like, you know, Jesus paid the price. He paid the price for our forgiveness. He paid the price for our freedom. I and mean, it's all about that over there. It's all about the empty cross. It's all about the price he paid. But he said, I want you to come back to that. I want you to come back to your first love. So I'm going to share a little bit about that. But has anyone had a product where they've, you know, it's gone wrong and, it's, and then they found out there's a recall and you take it back to the shop. Well, a few weeks ago, my, our son and uh, his wife were moving from Yass to Goulburn and they had a car boot sale and they flogged off all this gear and they put some on Facebook and all these places you do and they put this item on there and they paid a lot of money for this item. I don't even know what it was. I can't even remember what it was. But it, I know they paid over 250 bucks for this particular thing and had it on there for 20 just to get rid of it. They didn't need it anymore. And somebody messaged them and said, that product has been recalled. Take it back to Kmart. So they went back to Kmart, took it back and got a full refund, 250 bucks, which was really cool for them. <laughs> It was really, really cool, but it was really cool that that person actually took the time. There you go, it was a tricycle. Pam knows all about those things. It was a kid's tricycle with all the hands on, and it was replaced. And it was like they got a full refund. I just felt that's so cool, isn't it? Now, they needed that cash to actually help them move and help them do a bunch of things, and they were putting it out there, and somebody said, that's worth more than you're trying to get for it. And now Jesus actually says that about all of us. He said, you're worth more than sometimes you even think. He really does. And I just, that's a product. And that's really cool when you get a full refund and your product's been recalled. But I just want to share a story about a, a person I know. And this person, he, he grew up in a, in a place where he suffered abuse as a, as a kid. And he grew up not loving himself. And he, he just sort of went through life performing. He didn't like himself. Didn't even love himself. He didn't like himself. And, and he carried on, he went through really successful careers because of performance, and he got to a place where he, you know, he just rose to, to really high-ranking high places, did really well for himself. And then he met Jesus, and he fell in love with Jesus, and he loved the Holy Spirit, and he loved Jesus, but he didn't like Father God because he didn't like himself, and his father wasn't that cool. So he just carried on life performing, even as a Christian, he became a pastor. And as a pastor, he performed and he had a broken heart and he, just, he was just a mess. And he got to a place in his, in, in his church life where he was stood down as a pastor and kicked out of church, told he'd never be used by God again. And he got really angry about that and he just let that pastor who kicked him out have it. And you know, he went on and he believed these lies that he would never be used and he started trying to earn his way back to favor with dad. 
try to earn his way back to a favor with Jesus. Or maybe if I do some more and I preach some more and I pray some more, I'll get there. But God never says that. His word doesn't say that. He just says, come. Come all you who are heavy laden. You know, bring your burdens to me. Just let it go. But he just kept performing. And on any given day, he was capable of being a complete idiot with his wife, with his kids. And yet he'd get up and he'd preach. You know, he was really insecure, but he, he, he sometimes that insecurity led to him being arrogant with his family and arrogant with other people. And at times people would irritate him and he'd go and hide and get away from him. And other times he'd just say stupid stuff out of his mouth. And when he got kicked out of church, he got really angry and he said some really dumb stuff. And three years later, God said to this guy, thank you, mate. He said, there's your pen. Three years later, God spoke to this guy and said, you need to go back and ask that pastor to forgive you. And he had this argument with God for 40 minutes saying, you know, I was abused. I was spiritually abused. I was thrown out of church. And God said, you need to go and ask him for forgiveness for your, your part in that. So he did that and it was crazy, but you know. His life was a stumbling, bumbling, fumbling, bona fide failure trying to get to God. I've got news for you. That was me. That was me. And some days I'll wake up and I'm still like that. You know, I'm still, some days that Jesus can be so close. And yet other days I'm going, are you there? Are you there? And I'm trying to find my way. But you know, some days prophetic, other days pathetic. It was just like that. But, but in 2012... I got real with God. I actually got real with him because a situation had occurred, and I've probably shared about that situation before here, where our son nearly died. And in the midst of that, I was on a paddock at our property, and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And he said, great, move over and see what I can do. And he started this journey with me. I couldn't fix this situation, but he said, it's time to come back. I'm recalling you, Keith, to your first love. I need you to get real about your spiritual condition. You know, sometimes we can come to church and we can sit in church and go, hallelujah, I'm fine. And fine means feeling insecure, needing encouragement, by the way. But I can sit there saying I'm fine. And God's going, yeah, right, really? Get real with me. I think God wants us to recall back to a place of being real with him. You know, and I started to discover my identity as a son of the king. And I started to understand who I was in him, about his love for me. You know, at the cross, he shed his blood for my salvation, for my forgiveness, and for my freedom. Not just freedom from a mass, total freedom. You know, I'm a co-heir with Christ. It says in Romans 8, we are co-heirs. And it says it also in this, if we inherit all that Jesus has and all that Jesus is, if we take on his sufferings as our own. People don't like that end bit. I don't. But for me, it was despite, you know, every time now, no matter how much I blow it, and believe me, sometimes Pam will tell you, in the morning, I'll blow it, I'll make a mistake, but I found this place where I'm secure in my love. My love that he has for me. That my dad has for me. And I found that in this vulnerability, I'm not alone. Even this week, we spent some time with a pastor couple, and they were getting real with God. And they were being vulnerable. I think as we shared our vulnerability of our marriage and our journey of 40 years, they were able to feel free to be vulnerable and to get to this place. So I don't know, maybe it's just Pam and I. Maybe it's just me. Or maybe, maybe it's not. 
Maybe you're thinking today, well, you know, I'm in that place. I don't know if you've ever felt when you've let somebody down. Oh, you know, along the way, you say, oh, I'll be there for you. I'll, I'll never let you down. You know, it might have been your boss, might have been your wife or your husband. It might have been your family. I'll be there. I'll never let you down. And then you come to this place where, boom, one day, guess what? We're human. We let that person down. And that's disappointing. But can you imagine letting the one who paid the ultimate price for you down? That's not just disappointing. That's painful. That's what happened with Peter. That scripture we heard this morning, that's what happened to Peter. But what I want to look at this morning is Peter didn't just let him down and Jesus didn't just go, get away. Jesus recalled him to his first love. Jesus restored him and took him to a place. And you've just got to go to the book of Acts and see what happened when Peter was restored and recalled to his first love. I want to share a bit of that this morning. But you see, you know, Peter's life was one of ups and downs. That's why I love him. You know, he got out the boat. Everyone says, well, you know, he fell, he sank. But at least he got out the boat. And that's been my life. At least I've had a go at getting out of the boat, you know. Twenty odd years ago, God said to Pam and I, we had three kids. He said, go to Australia. We'd never been here. And people thought we were mad. Now, people in the English church, they go, you're going where now? 20,000 kilometers, do what? But we got out the boat. And some days I sank because I didn't keep my eyes on Jesus. When Peter had his eyes on Jesus, he didn't sink. But he had an up and down life. And you know, Peter's stories, I mean, you just got to read them, you know. But when Jesus was going to the cross, you've got to look at what happened with Peter. Peter started to do this. He started to distance himself. He watched from a distance as they took Jesus away. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. He was enough to see Jesus, but he wasn't enough to be associated with Jesus. He started following at that distance, keeping out the way. And as Jesus was tried in what I call a kangaroo court for something he never did, you know, as the high priest was there, Peter stood outside and he started to engage in some behaviors that we can all engage in. I can, I've engaged in these behaviors, you know. He started to distance himself. That's the first thing that happens, isn't it? We start to distance ourselves. We distance ourselves with, oh, I'll pray tomorrow. I'll read the word tomorrow. I'll have fellowship tomorrow. And we start to slowly take steps back and back. And all of a sudden, we're not where we were in our spiritual walk with Jesus. We start to distance ourselves from prayer, from worship. And all of a sudden, when I do that, I find myself dry as a twig. And Pam's got a great answer to that. She just says, Keith, you need to go to a walk up the cross because we've got a cross up the back of our place. What she's saying is not literally, but quite often literally, I'll go for a walk at this. She's saying, you need to get back to the cross, mate. You need to get back. But we distance ourselves. So Peter distanced himself from Jesus. And outside, he started warming himself around a fire. You know, Peter had lost the Holy Spirit fire. And when we lose that, we start to get closer to other fires. And he started warming himself around the enemy's fire. And that might be the, the, you know, the, the fire of false comfort. Many years I used to use, use false comfort to, to give me that sort of stuff. Doing good things. You know, we can all do great things in the church. But if we're not doing it out of a place of love with Jesus, we're just doing good things. And we can lead us right into performance. So we warm and we end up doing the enemy's work for him. We end up in that place because we're warming ourselves by the wrong fire. We've distanced ourselves. We're warming ourselves by the wrong fire. And then eventually it leads to denying Jesus. 
That's what Peter did. Three times he had the chance to boldly say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But three times he denied him. And then the cock crowed. Boom. It says Peter wept bitterly. Peter wept. He was a bona fide failure. He'd blown it. Once and for all. I've been in that place. It's a horrible place to be. And you know, just recently, people were sharing. This is in Canberra. People were sharing about Jesus. Just having a conversation around a dinner table in a restaurant. And they're just talking about Jesus. And from a table over here, the waiter came over and said, excuse me, but those people over there are offended because you're using that religious language. Can you please stop? Guess what? They didn't. They're friends of ours. Friends of mine. I know. They started praying. And they went quiet in their prayer. Sometimes we need to take a bold stand. But it's easier, isn't it, not to offend. I don't want to offend them, so we'll water down the gospel. We'll make it nice and social. Let's get in that. But we deny Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross and he was crucified, but he didn't stay there, did he? Three days later, a woman comes running back with the amazing news. The tomb's empty. And Peter is elated, and he goes running down there. But, you know, I just wonder, because I'm an ex-policeman, as many of you know, I just wonder, what was going through Pete's mind right there? Oh, I wonder if I get there. You know, what's going to happen? with it? If Jesus is alive, then what about my relationship? Is he going to, like, you know, you let me down, Pete. Get away from here. And I, I thought about it in this term, being an ex-policeman. You know, imagine you were a witness to a really serious crime. And you had the evidence to give. And your friend was the police prosecutor. And he called you to come to court and give evidence about what you'd seen. And because of fear, and because you were scared, you refused. And you didn't go to court, and you didn't give that evidence. And then the case went on, and actually the case went really successfully, and the police prosecutor managed to convict the criminal, and the criminal went to jail without your evidence. How would your friend view you now? Would that police prosecutor say, you know, can I call you a friend? You let me down. Peter had let him down. I I thought that might be how Peter was feeling. I've let my friend down. I walked for three years. I saw miracles happen. I saw Jesus, you know, raising the dead. And yet I blew it when it was important. You know, I'm glad Jesus is alive. I'm really glad, but but how is our relationship going to be? And me and Jesus, you know, when he comes back. And I don't know for you, but I'll put myself in that place sometimes and go, when I blow it with Jesus and just the loving arms, Jesus comes back. I love you. I love you. You know, I've been in a place you can sin and you can get way away. You can distance yourself and you can go away from God. But, you know, you can ask yourself, do it, does God still have a place in the kingdom? Remember, I was kicked out of church and I was basically told, there's no use for you. You may as well just go back and get a job, do whatever. But God had other ideas because our God. Jesus is a a God of restoration, a God of recall to the first love, and he wants to restore us. So this morning I just want to look at the fire because it's funny how Peter stood around a fire and he denied his Lord and Savior, yet it was around a fire over breakfast that Jesus restarted to restore him and recall him. So Jesus in John 21, I just want to read from verses 1 to 6. It says this, later Jesus appeared once again to the group of his disciples by the lake of Galilee. 
It happened on one day when Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Jacob, John, and two other disciples were together. And Peter told them, I'm going fishing. Hold that thought. I'm going fishing. And they all replied, we'll go with you. So they went out and fished all through the night and they caught nothing. And then at dawn, Jesus is standing there on the shore. And they didn't realize who he was. The disciples didn't realize that it was him. And he called out to them, hey guys, reading from the Passion Translation, hey guys, did you catch any fish? They said, not a thing. And Jesus shouted to them, throw your net over the starboard side and you'll catch some. And as they did, they caught so many fish that they couldn't even pull them in. See, when Peter said, I'm going fishing, he wasn't out like, we go down to Bateman's Bay for a day's fishing. Peter was going, I've blown it as a disciple, I'm going back to the family's business. It's business as usual. I'm going back, at least I knew how to fish. And guess what, he didn't even catch any. He was so disappointed. I haven't even caught any fish. I'm a lousy disciple and now I can't even do the work that I used to do. I can use, you know, we'll never be more secure and more happy in, unless we're in the center of God's will, doing the thing that Jesus called us to do. You know, 20 odd years ago, Pam and I, with our family, were called here and we are happy and secure because we're just hanging out and doing what Jesus wants us to do. There's no pressure, there's no hassle, we don't have to worry. But here's Peter, he's disappointed he didn't catch him and Jesus turns up and wants him recalled. You've got to notice, both of these things, when, when Jesus first called Peter, it was at the Sea of Galilee. Both times Peter couldn't catch a thing. Both times Jesus told him to throw his net on the other side and both times there was this miraculous amount of fish. You know, sometimes we have to be reminded and go back to our first love and go back to the place where we started our, our relationship with Jesus to remind us how important it is, how powerful it is. That it's the best thing that ever happened to us. You know, the, you, I think I've shared it before, but when Pam got saved eight years before me, I came home from work and she said, Keith, I've met Jesus. He's the best thing that's ever happened. And I said, I'm the best thing. I married you. Talk about arrogance. Eight years later, I went back to her and I said, it's the best thing, you were right. And she's going, do what? I don't know what I said eight years ago. But it is, it's the best thing. You know, we work with families and couples sometimes. And sometimes when people have got strife in their marriage, it's good to go back to that place when they, where they went away on their honeymoon and spend some time to revitalize and come back to what was important at the beginning. And I think that Jesus is in the midst of this pandemic and all this rubbish and everything that's going on. He's going, hey, come back to the important thing. Come back to me and be real about your spiritual condition. So Peter, you know, hey, John says, it's the Lord. You know, the disciple who Jesus loves says, it's the Lord. And Peter's off again, isn't he? Into the water. Like a crazy guy. That's what I love him. And he gets to the shore and the other guys have to row in. I think he maybe had a bit of a thing there you know I'll get in and they'll have to row but anyway they come back they eat their food Jesus has prepared this breakfast for them and then it's time for the fireside chat you ever have one of those fireside chats with Jesus sometimes when I'm going oh God and he goes Keith I need to talk to you I need, to have, I need to have a word in your ear in your ear so they've had the meal and in full view of all the disciples Jesus confronts Peter and I'm sure again Peter's going oh is he going to stick the knife in Peter, why did you deny me three times? 
Peter, why did you do this? But Jesus has got way more compassion than that. And sometimes, you know, we, we think that we're going to get judged. Jesus has got so much more compassion. Our Papa God loves us so much. He goes, hey, I'm just, I'm just glad you're back. And yet Jesus had this compassion. He didn't put the knife of guilt in, did he? He didn't do that. He wanted to remove the knife of guilt from Peter. He wanted to take off Peter's guilt and take it away so that Peter could be fully recalled and fully restored. So let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah, that scripture we're about to read and examine, John 21, 15 to 17. But you know, in that, it uses the word love. Jesus says, do you love me? And when we look at it, there's three words in Greek. Greek is, is way better than English because in English we say, I love you. I love cake. You know, I love food, but do I really love food the way I love Pam? Yeah? The way I love Jesus? So Greek divines it. You know, there's three words in Greek for love. One's eros, which is that physical love. Sometimes it's, you know, that, that whole lust thing. But in this scripture, there's two other ways that Jesus refers to love. One of those is agape, which is this unconditional passion, devotional love for somebody. If you have devotion... It's agape love. And the other one is phileo, which is that brotherly love, which it says in the book of Philippians. You know, that was what it was about, the brotherly love. I like you. You know, I have brotherly love for you. So let's have a little look at how Jesus restores Peter. Again, I'm using the Passion Translation. Verse 15, it says this. After they'd had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love? Do you agape me, Peter? Do you agape me more than these? That's this recall. Jesus is just saying, hey, Peter, I want you back. Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you, Phileo. I like you, Jesus. I have great affection. And Jesus says, then take care of my lambs. Simon, son of Jonah, he says, do you truly love me more than these? Jesus does no longer call him Peter, the rock. The rock has crumbled. The rock is no more at this present stage. The rock. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Was he talking about the fish? I don't think so. I think what he was doing was referring back to that upper room. When Peter said, no matter who denies you, Jesus, it won't be me. Uh Uh-oh. Won't be me. I'll never let you down, Jesus. I'll be there till, you know, till we spend time in eternity. I'll never let you down. And Jesus is saying, Simon, son of Jonah, are you still willing to make that claim? He's bringing him back to that humble place. And, you know, Peter, Peter didn't go, yes, Lord. He said, no, I, I, I like you, Jesus. I, I you know, I phileo you, Jesus. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in that place I was. I've blown it and I know it. There's no comparisons here. There's no comparisons and boasting anymore. Peter is no longer that guy who's going to boast about what he will and won't do. You know, comparison is something in a church that just destroys churches. Each one of us in this room are uniquely made for Jesus, by Jesus, for worship of Jesus, for a purpose and a plan and a destiny. Not one of you in this room is like me. Thank goodness how you say eh? But we're all unique and God doesn't want us to compare. I wish I had that and I wish I had this. He just says, you are perfect. But Peter just says, you know, there's no comparison. He'd learned from his mistake. He'd humbled himself. 
Oftentimes, we underestimate our strong faith. You know, we've been through some circumstances. I'm sure everybody in this room has been in places where you go, I'm never going to get through this issue. When our son was missing for five days, it was like, will we ever get through this? Will he be found alive? And yet Jesus just came and our faith enabled us to walk through that, that difficult time. So we can underestimate our faith, but boy, we can overestimate it too. And Peter was a classic overestimator on occasions. You know, we can overestimate our strength and then we need the Holy Spirit to restore us. This is about where Jesus is restoring Peter's identity. Peter was sure he'd never do the thing he did. You know, and often we can do that. I've done that. I think, I'll never let you down. I was a pastor of a church and I'm never going to blow it. And then because of circumstances, gone. David never thought he'd commit adultery. Solomon never thought that he'd get you know, caught up in idolatry. And Peter thought he'd never, ever deny knowing Christ. Jesus wanted him back. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says this. It says, if you think you are strong, you should be very careful about that not to fall. You know, booted out. But Papa just said to me, I'm bringing you back, Keith. When I was thrown out, my response was, you know, when God asked me to forgive him, it was because I had sinful pride. Anger, sinful pride. I thought I'd made it. And when I lost it, God was just saying, you know what? You're human, just like the rest of them. Peter was humbled and he came about here. He came back to the place with the honest assessment of his spiritual condition. Peter was realizing he was a mess and he needed Jesus. Very evident, you know, in the words that were, the, the words that were exchanged with Peter and Jesus here. So let's continue and let's look at verse 16. Jesus repeated the question a second time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with anger? There's that agape. Sorry, burn with love, not anger. Do you burn with love for me? Agape, love. And Peter again says, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Great affection is phileo. Take care of my sheep, he says. And then the final time he asked him this. And in the Passion it says, Peter, son of Jonah. Peter, he uses the word the rock again. It's the third time. Peter denied him three times, and here's Jesus bringing him back. But he doesn't, he doesn't use agape. Peter, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, son of Jonah, the rock, do you have great affection for me? Do you phileo me, Peter? He's brought himself right down to Peter's level. He goes, okay, you can't, you know, you can't quite get there with that burning passion. Peter, do you like me? Will you hang out with me? And Peter says this. He says, you know... He's saddened by being asked a third time. And he says, my Lord, you know everything. You know I burn with love for you. And all of a sudden, Peter has come back to that place. I'm burning with love for you. Jesus, you're the only one that will do. I have great devotion and affection with you. That's restoration. Right there, that's restoration. And Jesus replies, go feed my lambs. Go feed my lambs. And then Jesus actually goes on. And he spells out. As our brother read here, Russell read about Jesus spells out the cost of a call. So Peter's been restored, but Jesus is very clear. This is what it's going to cost you, Peter. Listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices. You went where you pleased. But one day when you're old, others will tie you up and escort you to a place you wouldn't choose to go. You will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to prophesy the type of death that he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. That's exactly what he said when he first called him. He's called him right back to the beginning. 
See, he's being restored as a son here. Peter's being restored. He's, he's being restored to that place, as it talks about in Romans 8, of a full inheritance. All that Jesus has, all that he is, if we carry on his own sufferings. You know, if we carry the sufferings of Jesus as our own. 2012, I started to get back to that place. I've been on that journey of sonship, but in 2012, God just said, I've, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You know, if people tell me in a restaurant to not talk about Jesus, I'll talk about him a bit more. I'll just keep talking about him because there's nothing else for me. There's no going back because going back means going back. There's nothing there. So Jesus was very real with Peter. And if you want to know what that, you know, what Peter's call was and what he did, go read the whole book of Acts. It's full of it. It's amazing. When the power of the Holy Spirit came on him, he came back to his first love. And Jesus said, you're not lost you're, you're not, you haven't blown it beyond measure. Go, go serve me. And you know, that, that prophecy right in there was, was to signify that Peter was crucified in 67. 67 AD? No, 64 AD. He was crucified by Nero. And Peter said, I don't want to be crucified like Jesus. He was crucified upside down. But there's a prophetic word. That's the cost of being a disciple. But Peter said, I've decided to follow Jesus. On that day, at the back end of the book of John, he changed everything. Jesus turned up and forgave him. And it's amazing, you know, that, that you get to that and the final bit of the book of, um, a book of John 21. I love this bit because after Jesus has said, you're recalled, you're restored, Peter. Go feed my lambs, Peter. That's your call. That's where you're secure in me. Go do that. And then he's pointed out the cost of the call and Peter still went and did it. And you know, the call of Jesus on everybody's life comes with a cost. There's a cost. There's a price to pay. Salvation is free. But following the call, it comes at a cost. So he's told him the cost and then he says this bit. Because Peter's still Peter. Peter's still got those little things that we all have. Those little things that they talk about, the thorns in the side. And right at the end in 21, 20 to 23, it says this. Then Peter's. He turned around and he saw the disciple that Jesus loved following them. That was the disciple that was close to Jesus on the Last Supper and had asked, Lord, who is the one who will betray you? So Peter saw him and he asked Jesus this. He says, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus replied, I love this. If, you decide, if I decide to let him live until I return, what concern of that is you? Uh, is that for you? You must still keep following me. So then this rumor starts to circulate among all the believers that this disciple, John, wasn't going to die. But Jesus never actually said that. Jesus said, if I let him live until I return, what concern of that is yours, Peter? I love that. I talked about comparison. I used to compare myself. When I first arrived in Australia, we were in Youth with a Mission. And I remember a good friend of ours now, Tom Hallis. He was the Asia-Pacific director. I remember him sharing in front. And I'm going, man, if I could preach like him. Man, if I could share the word of God like him. I'm going, How ridiculous is that? I don't want to be a Tom Hallis. I want to be a Keith Todd. That's who God created me to be. But comparison, all the time, I wish I could preach like him. Each one of you has a destiny and a call on that. But Peter's saying, he's saying, you know, Peter, keep your eyes on me and get your nose out of other people's business. Keep your nose out of other people's business. 
And I think if God wants us to know about a struggle someone's going on, is going on with, either they'll share it with us because they love us, they trust us, and trust is earned, and they feel secure and safe to share that, and we should be able to be sharing stuff because we should be safe in the house of God. Or God will give you a word for someone or show you what's going on, but sometimes he normally shows you that to pray for them. You know, this is about lovely example. Peter, you know, keep your eyes on me. Keep your nose out of everyone's business. So I want to leave you with a few thoughts as I come to the end this morning. And uh, Papa knows all these things. I want to leave you with this. You know, God wants to recall all of us as his kids to his first love. Come back to your first love this morning. You know, what is, what is it that is stopping you from coming back to that first love? The recall and the restoring. God wants to restore our passion as a church for Jesus. He wants to restore us individually. He wants to restore us corporately. God is calling his church. He's fed up with the enemy having a field day. He wants his kids back. He wants his children back. He wants those kids that we are to come back to the place of our restoration. You know, you might have gone through stuff. You might have done stuff. You might be, you know, he wants your identity as a son or a daughter of the king restored today. So here's these few things doesn't matter how bad your past was Jesus has paid the price on that cross he's paid the price it doesn't matter what you've done Jesus stands not only ready to forgive you but he wants to recall you and restore you like he did with Peter come back come back Peter and you know on this rock I'll build my church Peter went on to do amazing things I've hung around with some amazing people Particularly one guy who comes to mind right now. He was, uh, his name was Fidel Castro. It wasn't the Fidel Castro. But he had served 20 years in jail in the Philippines. And at one point when I first got saved, we were both on the stage. And we were talking about, you know what? We've both been in jail. There's only the his had bars. Mine didn't. My bars were mine. So he wants to, he wants to call you back regardless. It doesn't matter what your past is this morning. You know, some of the best people that I know in the kingdom of God have been the worst sinners at the start. God's interested in the finish line, not the start line. If we're going to be restored, we need to get honest about our spiritual condition. We need to get real with God. You know, I come to church, how are you? I'm fine, brother. It's good, brother. Is he really? You know, I'm fine, feeling insecure, needing encouragement. We need to get real, not, not play those games. You know, we're all wearing face masks at the minute. But sometimes we can go to church wearing a bunch of masks. I did it for years. We need, to, we need to admit that we're not right. We need to admit that our relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is not right. I'm not where I, I want to be, Jesus. A good friend of mine, yeah, he said, we sometimes see the church as a circle and there's people who are out and there's people who are in but the reality is we're all dots on the journey to Jesus. If Jesus is here, then I'm here or maybe today I'm here and other people are there. We're all on a journey walking with Jesus but we need to be real where we are on the journey. We need to recognize that another thing that when we get real with God, we need to realize that He'd be real with us. You know, one day, I'll go, God, where are you? I can't hear you. And this little voice came back and said, Keith, I'm here. Where have you been? See, when you get real with God, He gets real with you. Where have you been? Come back, my son. Come back to your first love. Where have you been? I've, I've missed you. 
I've never heard a condemnation when I've drifted. All I've heard is, welcome home. Come back. Come hang out. You know, God wants, he'll go to the root of things. He's not afraid of going to the root. We're the ones who are afraid. We're the ones who have fear. Oh, have I told people that I'm like this? They think I'm a nutter. No, but there's no point in me saying, hallelujah, life's wonderful. Some days it's not. But Jesus hasn't fallen off the cross. Well, he has, he's come off the cross, but he hasn't fallen off his throne. And the fourth thing is this, you know, when he recalls us, and he will, and when he restores us as the church, you know, that's what he's coming back for, the church, the bride of Christ. He's coming back for a spotless, blameless bride. And when he recalls us, you know what he's going to say? Keep your eyes on me. Keep your nose out of other people's business. Keep your eyes on me. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning. Now I want to pray. I believe the Lord told me that I need to ask this question and pray. And I'm going to leave it with you. How's your soul this morning? How's your condition? How are you honestly doing? How are you really going? You know? When we first came to Australia, it's like Pam was in Woolies. And the woman said, how are you going? Was at the checkout. How are you? How are you going? So Pam told her for 20 minutes. And then looked at the woman going, wow. But God wants to know how you really are this morning. Jesus just wants to know, how are you? How's your spiritual walk with me? How's your prayer time? How's your devotional? You know, when you go behind closed doors, how are you? What's going on? Just wants to, he wants you to respond honestly this morning. And if you're not fine, tell him. You know, if you're not fine spiritually, physically, emotionally this morning, tell him because you know what? He really knows anyway. It ain't no secret to him. Whatever your situation, Papa wants you to come upon you afresh this morning. He wants to wash over this place. He wants to, he wants to have a breakthrough in your life. But it starts with us getting real. Not distancing ourselves not warming ourselves by the other fires warming ourselves by the Holy Spirit's fire we want to be refired we want to be restored and recalled to that place of our first love and not ashamed of the gospel you know, and if we go out to a restaurant or we're, we're down the street and someone says hey talking about Jesus yeah man I just want to tell you about him he's pretty cool because I've got nothing else outside him Pam and I have got nothing else. If everything else is stripped away, that's all we've got. It's all you've got. So, my question this morning is, where are you? Can we pray? It's all right. I just want to pray right now. If your spiritual condition is not quite where it should be, maybe there's things where you've just become dry and weary, and especially in this time, this time of pressure. I just believe the Lord says, if that's you this morning, I just want you to acknowledge that. I want to pray for that. If that's you, if you're dry and you, you distance yourself or your condition is not where you want it to be, I encourage you, would you stand? I just want to pray. We can't you know, do all this fancy stuff. And I love to hug people and you know that. And Pam loves it. And it's just, but we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants his kids back. He's done. Stop messing around. I just want to pray for you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Papa, I thank you for courage. I thank you for these guys and their, their precious courage, Lord. I thank you for Yes Community Baptist, God. It's like family to Pam and I, Lord. We, we just, we're blessed every time we walk through these doors. So, Papa, you just, you just look around and you just celebrate that these children are standing up and going, this is me. I want to come back. God, just bring you refreshing rains. A refreshment of the Holy Spirit. Something's got to give today, Lord. There's got to be a breakthrough. There's got to be a breakthrough. So I just pray for that spiritual breakthrough, Lord. That, that water, that refreshing rain. The power of your Holy Spirit to sweep through this place, Lord. I thank you, God, for the, the things that are about to unfold, Lord. Thank you for that boiler room that's about to explode, Lord. Because... God, that's what you want for your kids. But Lord, it starts with us. If we want revival, it starts with us. So just pray that your refreshing rain sweep through this place this morning, Jesus. Sweep through this place, Jesus. Touch, touch, touch the dry spots this morning. Go right in and touch the dry spots this morning. Lord, refire the fires. Fan the flames, Lord. Fan the flame of those, Lord, those things that once burned bright for you, Jesus, but now you're bringing them back into the to focus, Lord. All the dreams, Lord. Yeah, that's another thing. That's, thanks, guys. If they, I just feel there's also some people if their dreams have gone dry. Their dreams have gone dry. And God wants to say to you this morning that your dreams, He gave you those dreams. They're not gone dry. They're not dead. They're, they're about to flourish. They're about to flourish as you flourish. But we can only do that in connection with Jesus. So Lord, I just ask that you sweep through. Touch all those things. Touch all those things, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.